This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Learn more at slashandcast.net. Hello and welcome to the Conjecturing, I mean Conjecture Ween, a Halloween-ish podcast. This is our third week, right guys? Third week yeah, of our Conjecture Ween doing, yep. you know, we're doing uh, all the Halloween movies as much as we can fit into our five-week uh, time frame here. Um, so how are you guys doing tonight? Pretty doing good. good. Yeah. Doing good, doing good. Yeah. I have to say, it feels like it's been longer than three weeks, I think because I've been watching all of them to do my recaps. So I'm like, God, how many Halloweens have I seen now? Are we almost done? Jeez. Yeah, and I think I forgot to say, you know, we got Laura here. Uh, Laura's here. She's the one. She's the, she's, she's the <laughs> one that just spoke. Yeah, she's the one that jumped the gun and, and literally watched all the movies before me and Greg even knew they existed. Uh, uh, and then uh, and we got Greg here. Hey. <laughs> We've never had to retroactively uh, do introductions after talking, so it's kind of funny. Greg speaking. Uh, yeah. 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 And then uh, I'm Rob. I'm your host. So let's, let's keep going here. So, uh, 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 Rob, you asked us how we were doing. I know. I, I know. That was... No, that's true. Yeah. I, I, I asked, but then I didn't realize that I needed to actually introduce you guys. So that's okay. It's all right. Now, now everybody knows who we are, what we're doing, what we're about. Uh, so let's. So what are you guys? Uh, what are you guys wearing? And and what are we drinking tonight? You want to start, Laura? Kind of start us off with the drinks. Uh, yes, we are all drinking uh, the very popular Don Beach tiki themed cocktail called the Zombie. Because Rob Zombie, duh. So nice, nice. I'm gonna pour myself uh, another one real quick. Here, while you're doing that, I've been forgetting to do our our drop for the drinks. We usually have a drop for the drinks when we do like a, a drink. Uh, so I'll do it right now, just so everybody can hear it. If you're a new listener, if you only listen since the construction ween started, uh, you can hear the drop we normally do now. This is uh, created by Greg. What's in the cups? Oh, I missed that. No, we haven't done it in weeks. <laughs> it's been a while. Man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Cheers. 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 God, I might just make this every week. It is so good. I'll have a zombie every week. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that fits. You know, I didn't have I didn't have traditional rum, so I used Kahlua, and you'd be surprised. It's, oh, you'd great! You'd be surprised. It is so good. No. That- that sounds disgusting, Greg. Wait, did you do like the orange juice and lime and oh lemon yeah, I, and I did the whole that- bit and Kahlua. Yeah, yeah. Oh that's my fucking goodness. That's why I waited to the last second. I was afraid to take a sip. Why wow. did you think I don't have rum, so I'm going to use Kahlua made the most sense? Why not just it's, use vodka or gin I mean, or whiskey, any or of those? Any Anything actually possible. <laughs> well, isn't Kahlua just coffee-flavored rum? Yeah, yeah. Yes, but... The coffee in this mixture. So you have the you have the base components in there. Look, see, I'm with you guys. I my uh, objections were were right there up front, but then I decided let's just go for it, and it paid off. It's so good. Wow. Well, wow. so so that's literally insane. And speaking of insane, do you want to describe your outfit, Greg? <laughs> describe what you're wearing. <laughs> I'm dressed as one of the orderlies from the insane asylum from this movie. Uh, I mean, not not the the bad ones, not the the a holes. <laughs> I don't want to associate myself with them. I want to associate the, myself. Yeah, yeah. Not not the, the sexual abusers. Yeah. No, no. I'm the I'm the Danny Trejo uh, machete guy. So I've got you know my my mustache mm-hmm. came off, but yeah. <laughs> I just a little badge here. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the the Kahlua probably made it fall off. Yeah, <laughs> even even your mustache knows that's not a good combo. <laughs> Try to get away from your mouth. He he's in the background behind me though, so I feel like I don't know. I'm channeling his energy. Aww. Nice, nice. He definitely would not drink Kahlua and fruit and orange juice together. So no. That's By the way, it he's he's a pretty intimidating guy, right? But look at this. Standing next to Michael Myers, he just looks like an ordinary dude. Looks yeah, like well, grandpa. Like, okay, my grandson, yeah. I'm so proud of you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Like he's walking him, you know, down uh, down the graduation aisle or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which by uh, the way, I, I, I do what, I don't know what school that giant monster went to, but okay. All right. <laughs> I want to say that your last week's question about what mask we would wear, mm-hmm. I, I want to change my answer. I want my answer to be Danny Trejo now. I think <laughs> He's got a more unique look than Steve Buscemi. You have to agree uh, with that. What? No. Mm. no. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think it would be more intimidating as a as a mask. We we may need to speed up this episode because these are going straight to my head right now. <laughs> like you guys, I tomorrow. Ooh. All right. Well, let's go, Laura. You're next then. So what do you what are you wearing there, Laura? Oh, uh, what am I wearing? I don't even know. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not wearing anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, she's one of the one of the girls in this movie. She's topless. But Laura, put your top back on. Laura, <laughs> Laura, stop it. Okay, I am dressed as little Jamie Lloyd. Just kidding. Oh, so I'm Danielle <laughs> Harris, who was Jamie Lloyd, but in this one, she comes back as the new Annie, and I I'm dressed as her from when they're walking home from school, and she's got the Letterman jacket on with the big H for Haddonfield High. And I've got the the hair scarf in. Yeah, I'm Annie. Looks Very good. Nice. Looks good. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, me. I'm. I mean, I'm the obvious. I'm Rob Zombie. You know, yeah. I got I got the long black hair. My wife did my eye makeup. You know, um, <laughs> I actually trimmed the beard a bit, so I only have a goatee because he seems to only have a goatee sometimes. It's kind of oh weird. Oh my god, it feels odd. So um, yeah, and then my my background. You know, being the director, I'm directing Michael. Directing Michael in a scene. He's in he's in the background here, telling him to you know talk less. So <laughs> yeah, so that's what we're drinking. What we're wearing. Uh, yes. you know, Greg is still drinking Kahlua. It's still insane to all of us, I think. Um, yeah, so let's, uh, you know, like we, we just talked about, we're doing, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. That's the movie we're doing this week. It is, uh, 2007's film. Um, so, so Laura, uh, why did we pick this movie this week? Well, I wanted to jump track and do a different timeline or version from the Halloween franchise. And I, up until recently, I had never seen the Rob Zombie's take on this uh, movie, pretty much just because of principle. I heard that a lot of people didn't like it. So I was like, oh, then I don't want to, you know, I don't want to see it. But I now I'm very curious and I'm really glad I did. Nice, nice. Uh, I mean, I have never seen this one either. You know, so I'm I'm really happy that we got to watch this. Uh, just because, like you said, it's just such a it's an avenue that you know in the Halloween franchise that's so interesting. You know, yeah. they, they're all mostly continuations of stories, or they have different tweaks. But this is like a whole reimagining, so it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Right. Exactly. I think yeah. I think a lot of people who haven't uh, like I hadn't seen any of this series right except for H two O, like we joked about last week. So. I always thought that it just was chronological one through whatever, however many they make 12, but it it was news to me that, you know, they were, it's almost like watching Game of Thrones in the sense where like they're picked up by different directors and they all like apply their own style, but the lore is generally the same. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting to see kind of his take and, you know, what pieces he decided to to keep and what pieces he decided to throw in and make his own. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um, 
So, yeah, so before we get into the movie a bit more here, let's get to our horror segment of the week. A little quick segment we do. It's usually a question or a game. This week, Laura came up with a question for us. So let me get the drop going here. Okay, so we got a question this week from Laura. Laura came up with a question. Laura, do you want to read your question? What's it about? Heck yeah. So this is the Clue version of Build a Mic. So just like from Clue, build your perfect or scariest Halloween killer. So instead of, like from Clue, Mrs. Peacock in the kitchen with a knife, you decide who and where or what movie setting and with any weapon of your choosing. And it doesn't even have to be Michael Myers, but it has to reference a movie we have already conjectured in our last 35 episodes. So I'll give you guys an example so you kind of have an idea. We could say Billy Loomis, like from Scream, at the Overlook Hotel Bar from The Shining, with a lawnmower from The Happening. <laughs> oh, there you go. Nice. Nice. I like it. I like it. So, Rob, are you ready? I'll lead it off then. I'll lead it off. Might as well right. start with me. You know, I'm the director. I'm Rob Zombie. I'm, I'm the mm-hmm. boss right now. So, <laughs> yeah. So, for me, I mean, my, fr- my first thought was I'm definitely picking the Overlook Hotel. I'm not really picking the bar, but I'm picking the hotel itself. Just like the grand halls and the treated wood. I feel like those are very ripe for wheels. Mm. So, <laughs> my... <laughs> So, so my, my character I chose are the wheelers from Return to Oz. I can just, I can just picture them wheeling around the halls and stuff like that going all up and down. So that was my, my thing was there just, just listening to the wood and the wheels counterbalance. That'd be really cool. That's horrific. It's already creepy enough, you know, but the, the hardest part for me was like picking my weapon because they don't have arms or legs to hold anything. They just have their wheels. So my idea was to have them like put like a you know like a gopro on their head or something like that like you're gonna attach something to their head like some type of like you know self-centered cyclist or something like that you know trying to videotape what he's doing and on the the head piece that is holding my weapon is gonna be from episode six don't breathe a turkey baster you know? oh, no. <laughs> so that's uh <laughs> it's de- and it's definitely dripping it's dripping um so <laughs> So we got a. What we come up with, that one wins. I mean, it's the best and the worst, though. It's the best and worst. You don't want you don't want a wheeling semen filled turkey baster man coming after you at all. You don't you don't want that. You don't want that. At the overlook. At the overlook. Yeah. So, uh, so who wants to follow that up? Who wants I'm to go not next? Sleeping tonight, Rob. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, no All sleeping right. or baking. Well, I- I've got mine. Man, mine is. I think mine is kind of cool. That one, I was fucking bananas. But here I go. So I am picking the the set of the Santa Carla Boardwalk from the Lost Boys. All nice, right, so nice. I'm on the boardwalk at night. And before I tell you who. The weapon I decided to go with is, it was just so obvious to me, an axe. Mm. We've got the axe from The Shining, Triangle, your next, and okay, this is crazy, but the, the character I've chosen is Stu from Scream, mm-hmm. but, but mm-hmm. he is dressed as young Michael, so he's got the clown 
outfit and mask. Oh, wait. And wait, there's a twist. There's oh. another twist oh, here. Oh my goodness. Uh-huh. When he takes off the clown mask, we don't find out that he is evil like Michael Myers. What we find out is that he is possessed by the demon from Paranormal Activity. Ooh. This Boom. is like, this has so many layers. It's like we're watching <laughs> yeah. the movie Triangle again. Wait, yeah. I, I forget. Though. Is he grown up Stu or is he a little He's kid? He's grown up Stu in that crazy ass clown outfit. <laughs> I feel like he just took your favorite movies. Mashed them together. That's exactly what I did. Uh, That's a good approach. Yeah, we didn't really state what our approach... When you say build your ideal killer scenario... It was either your your perfect Halloween killer or what you think is the scariest. So Rob clearly Uh, went scariest. Or grossest. Or grossest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I Mm -hmm. think I went perfect. Mm-hmm. Personal. I love wow. looking like I'm looking at our list of of movies that we've reviewed. This is great because we've really like spread out the variety of sci-fi, zombie, slashers. It's like and paranormal. It's really cool. Um, so there's a lot to choose from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go the the Rob route. Uh oh, <laughs> turkey baster, turkey baster. No, no, and and <laughs> pick like probably the freakiest uh combination i'm gonna say like for me it's the thing you know it's like the, no. the gross, it's the gross <laughs> thing where the guy's head comes off and it sprouts like spider oh, legs the spider head okay spider head yeah and then um and i'm gonna say that he the spider head is is wearing freddy's gloves on each one of his arms oh, shit. <laughs> coming at you and then i'm gonna say where you're at you're in the labyrinth oh. and you're falling down the hole of helping hands and it's coming oh. up toward you and you're tr- and you need to go up. That makes me want to throw up. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I-, I like the the comparison of like the hands and then Freddy's hands, and that's cool. There's a lot of hands, man. I, I must mm-hmm. have a thing with phobia of hands. Like all three. Oh of them. I didn't no, no, it. a phobia or a thing with hands. Mm-hmm. Um, like what you know, were about to say, the and then mm-hmm. you kind of <laughs> changed course there. I caught that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I didn't say fetish. I said phobia. Uh huh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greg, like Greg wants a handy. Yeah, um, <laughs> I really want the, the of of all the art pieces that we're trying to commission, this one needs mm. to like get bumped up the list a little bit. Yeah, we keep talking about we want to one day do shirts. That image on a shirt that's going to sell itself. I, I think that's awesome. Or or my wheeler with a turkey baster on his head that's going to sell some shirts. I like no. it. I like it. <laughs> Nasty. Yeah, uh, yeah. So if anybody wants to email us in, let us know what what place, what weapon, and what possible multiple you know killers you'd want to meld together into something like laura uh you can hit us up uh conjecturing pod at gmo or twitter instagram at conjecturing pod so good answers you guys good answers i like it i like it um yeah so now it's time to get to the movie let's get to the movie this week now so let's uh let's break out our arts and craft supplies let's get out our arts and craft supplies and let's let's make a mask let's make a mask this week that took me a second that did take me a second yeah uh yeah so like i said the movie we're doing this week we're doing 2007 halloween we have writer director rob zombie uh this movie uh, budget was 15 million dollars box office was 80.4 so it made a ton of money um laura do you want to do some interesting facts yeah so this is a really good fact that i think everyone needs to know before they judge this movie And that is that before reinventing this Halloween movie, Rob Zombie made the wise choice to inform John John Carpenter about it. And in response, Carpenter encouraged Zombie to make it his own. Mm -hmm. That's huge. That's Mm -hmm. huge because I think, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but the biggest gripe of this movie is that it's just so different from Carpenter's vision. But Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, this is a fun one. The Myers house was the same as the people under the stairs house. No way. Yeah. Wow. 
Hmm. I know. Oh, that yeah. last scene kind of makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's um, crazy. And I thought this was really cool, but uh, PETA, P-E-T-A, actually praised director Rob Zombie for showing a link between animal cruelty and violence towards humans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a running theme in all these Halloween movies now. There's yeah. always animal abuse, you know, or right. death uh, involved in it. Because, I mean, like, it does go hand in hand with most, you know, mental illnesses, especially when you're talking about, like, you know, psychotic uh, episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's actually one of the three triads of insanity, you know, where it's like animal cruelty, fires and wetting the bed it's like those three things are always synonymous with anybody that is end up being psychotic you know charlie manson all those guys so it's definitely cool that he put a spotlight on that of just saying like you know it is it is a link you know and just something to you know keep an eye out for because if somebody would have stopped michael when he was younger and a lot of this stuff wouldn't have happened okay my kid doesn't do this but like what if your kid just wets the bed? No, the 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 triad. There's a the, causality. Yeah, there. the triad yeah. is supposed to be. You have to have two of the three. You have to have two of the three. So it's like wetting the bed, oh. and, you, and you start fires or wetting the bed and animal cruelty. I mean, if you have all three, oh. then then yeah, you're really in trouble. Wow. Uh, okay. Yes, yeah, so let's let's do cast, Laura. Do you want to run down cast? Yeah, so I'll just kind of name the the biggest people here. So uh, we've got Malcolm McDowell. He is our new Doctor Samuel Loomis. We have Daig Farsh. I am so sorry if I said that incorrectly. He is our Michael Myers, 10-year-old Michael Myers. And then we also have Tyler Maine. He is our regular <laughs> older regular six, michael myers six, six, i don't i don't think you consider six foot eight regular <laughs> i was about to say our six foot eight michael myers just regular old michael myers wow. no big deal Dang. um sherry moon zombie plays the mom deborah myers that's obviously oh. rob zombie's wife um oh. scout taylor compton she is our new Lori strode or also angel myers and we also have hannah hall playing judith Danielle Harris, my favorite, but she's not Jamie this time. She's back as Annie Brackett. Mm-hmm. And then I also wanted to point out, um, you know, Tommy Doyle comes back. The little kids come back. And this is played by Skylar Gizondo. And I recognize that kid from a lot of stuff. Really? I don't know if you guys did. Mm-mm. Yeah, I just he has a face that's very familiar. And I was like, oh, man, this kid's been in a bunch of movies. Yeah, I mean, it's it's super cool, like the Tyler Main guy. I mean, uh, me and my wife watched this one. She actually watched this one with me. And so, like, right when we saw, you know, six foot eight giant Michael Myers, she was like, is that a wrestler? And I'm like, I don't yeah. know. You know, so I looked him up and I'm like, oh, you, and like, of course, his image doesn't look familiar to me, like his face. But then I looked up, oh, he played Sabretooth in the original X-Men franchise. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. So I'm like, oh, okay, I do know him. Like, oh, yeah, nice. You know, I think Greg noticed him from, uh, what was it, Greg? Troy? Yeah, from Troy. He, he played uh, Ajax, the guy with the giant hammer yeah yeah we, we were it's joking insane, we were joking off pod that he was the original mountain from game of thrones he was like the og mountain yeah as if michael myers needed like to get beefed up they throw in this behemoth to make it even more scarier pretty crazy yeah so that's pretty cool um laura do you want to do synopsis i will try i'll try my best <laughs> Okay, so this version of Halloween shows Michael growing up in a very broken home. Um, He has a mom who is a stripper and doesn't have a whole lot of control of the family. Uh, He has a very abusive stepfather, uh, an older sister who treats him like shit. So he's very troubled. You know, he tortures animals, but he loves his little sister, Angel. And one night on Halloween, Michael finally snaps and kills his stepfather and sister's boyfriend and his sister. And he's sent to a mental institution. And 15 years later, he breaks out and will stop at nothing to find his little baby boo. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. So, what do you think, Laura? Where do you, where do you want to start with this movie? Let's just start with the opening. Uh, the opening is a new backstory for Michael. So I definitely want to hear what you guys thought of this. I will say straight up that this does go against what Carpenter wanted for the original. I mean, Carpenter has said so many times that his intent was that the audience should never be able to relate to Michael Myers. And so I think just we're just going to give it straight up. Um, this was probably one of the biggest gripes that people have with this is that there is this backstory. So actually, Greg, I'm really curious to see what you think about this because, um, I know that. Yeah, that's Greg's biggest problem with every Halloween movie watches. Exactly. Greg, Greg always asks like, why? Why is any of this happening? Why? <laughs> every you, you movie. Got it? You got it? You got I, answers now, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. So why not? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to whether or not I actually got answers or, or not. Oh, um, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> I so yeah uh, whether or not you've seen this movie let, let's just break down like the big difference is that you spent half this movie understanding where Michael Myers comes from whereas in the first one which this movie okay tell me if I'm right guys this movie is pretty much like replaying the original time wise in a right. sense right so you right. start off with you start off with young Michael and in a certain span of time then you like boom you cut to when he's like super like maybe 15 years older mm-hmm. so the the big difference is the first movie you you watch him ki- like rob said you watch him kill his sister in cold blood for no reason at all and it literally lasts like a minute and a half or maybe two minutes mm-hmm. uh and then you flash fo- forward to where he's older and such this movie the first 45 minutes is about his childhood and you get to understand that his family dynamic and how he grew up and the the situation at school that he was in really played into it. Um, I thought it was an interesting idea. Uh, like I said, I always wondered why he killed his sister in the first one. Um, it's, I, I'm not sure that I liked the way that Rob Zombie uh, took the way that he executed it. Cause I don't know. I, like the, the first scene, basically you open up in the home and like Laura said, it's just this like kind of, a broken home with a deadbeat mom and dad and and uh, kind of a wicked sister and i just what i didn't like about that was the way that it was acted and it was just kind of over the top that whole breakfast scene mm-hmm. did you guys like that i didn't think it was over the top at all though i thought it was super accurate not that i've ever been in that situation but i thought for what i envisioned in my head of that type of situation and that type of you know just like broken homeness i know that's not a real word but like, that's literally what I envision. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Parents arguing, cussing at each other, people throwing things. Like, I didn't think it was over the top at all. I thought, like, that's actually a reality for a lot of people. What do you think, Laura? I think I'm kind of somewhere in between you both. Um, I agree that I think this was not only showing a reality to many people, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's like the stepdad is just straight garbage and evil and the older sister just doesn't give a shit about anybody but herself and you know um i think that it was acted really well by most parties i think mm-hmm. we'll probably touch on acting a little bit so i i'll kind of stop there yeah i did my i it, that that the whole scene it start i started to check out because of the way that they were acting and I wasn't buying into it. I really had to pull myself into it. So hmm. I actually, you know, I didn't completely check out of the movie at that point, but it was kind of pushing me in that direction. Interesting. Um, because I, I feel like in the scenes to follow, it sort of brings it down a little bit um, and you get to understand the, the life that he's living. 
because his mom's a stripper and all the kids at school know about it. They make fun of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously his dad, it, uh, he starts making like sexual jokes about the, the daughter and he calls Michael like, you know, uh, queer, you know, basically every kind of like vulgar description you could think of like a, you know, trashy, maybe redneck kind of guy. Like he, he fits that to the T and, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like you, you could have gotten that by making that seem a little bit more balanced, but yeah, I think it was, it was definitely effective. Like it didn't need to be, if you're going to show that I, I only need 30 seconds of it really, but, yeah. um, I thought it was a- effective in showing like, okay, clearly Michael as this little kid is growing up in a horrible home. Mm-hmm. He, he goes to school and then he gets bullied by kids. Like I already understand what, you know, what you're, what you're trying to tell me. Any kid that grows up in that kind of environment is going to start developing very dangerous violent habits mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i think it's kind of you know i don't know what the right word is not messed up but i don't think we should be lumping in the mom and the boyfriend together i feel like yeah she's a stripper but that's not always a negative thing somebody's you're trying to pay right. the bills like uh, you know i'm not putting down that at all so i don't want to say like yeah you know she's you know white trash she, she's this she's that you know he's the same thing she's a stripper like it's a negative you know thing it's just like she's trying to pay the bills. she's doing the best she can i think yeah maybe poor choices with maybe choosing who she's with and who she's gonna associate with that's probably the biggest thing for her there's certain scenes in this movie where she does seem really caring and really loving mother yeah for sure i just yeah. think so i don't want to you know start that off saying like she's garbage for what she does because i don't oh, think no, that's, that's at all yeah that's not basically what i'm referring to is they have no qualms getting into it and calling each other names and just using the worst language specifically the dad yeah but then the way that that um judith treats michael she's like making fun of him for having animals saying that he's like jerking off the rat you know it's like basically nobody has a problem yelling at each other and then the my issue was I, I, there was some realism lost because the, you know, what's his, the dad like throws everything off of the table and he goes, now pick it up. And then she goes, I can't take this anymore or I can't live like this anymore. And I thought, what a weird thing to say to me. I don't know. I guess I, you guys don't seem like you're on, on board with that, but it, that kind of, I, that stuck with me that I thought it was really weird and kind of a lot. But I, at the same time, I get like you're starting off the movie with a very powerful intro scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to have a lot of energy to it. So to that, I, I gave him credit for, for showing us that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not going to keep arguing with you longer about what it is or what it's not, you know. But I mean, I mean, definitely the vulgarity in this movie, you know, we've already talked about we don't like a lot of blood. Mostly all three of us don't really like that type of stuff. I guess I didn't really realize that I didn't like vulgarity that much either. You know, when they start going sexual innuendos back and forth, it just kind of like slightly makes me uncomfortable. And, and I know it's for shock value. That's why you're going to do it. I know people talk like that. That's fine. But I didn't really like it. Um. So like that aspect of it, I agree with you, Greg. I really didn't like that part. And it's like we're all, we're all adults. It's not because we can't handle the language. It's yeah. because it seems like it doesn't serve the movie. I feel like every scene when they start, I feel like you could predict how the scene was going to end within the first few moments of this of the scene. And then it's just between the moment that it starts and ends, just fill it with every single vulgarity and profanity you can think of. I think there was one line where one of the bully kids starts talking about his daddy and he says fuck like eight times. And I'm like, yeah. really? Do the kids actually talk like that? I, yeah. I don't know, maybe some, but um and it just, it just seemed like not necessary and kind of like distracting from like the purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. I think that I'm just going to get into acting at this point. 
Um, I think the thing is, is that I did buy into the beginning and I did feel like it was pretty realistic. But I do see your point, Greg, in that, you know, the mom, she is very loving to Michael. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you were that loving and caring to your child, you wouldn't subject your child to abuse from other people. So it almost didn't make sense. I, I, I totally understand that. I guess in this case, it's probably nitpicking, though, right? Because, yeah. you know. It's again, like you said, this is a shock value thing. This is the intro, but I just kind of getting into characters and acting. I, I did not, I hate to say it, but I didn't feel like the mom was a great actress. And so for me, she is what actually pulled me out of a lot of the beginning scenes hmm. was yeah. her acting. I thought hmm. everyone else was solid. I think young Michael is fantastic. Oh, yeah. He's oh, really my good. God, he's so good. But mm -hmm. she is too much. And I actually have a little fun fact I didn't mention earlier. But apparently she she's in a lot of Rob Zombie's other movies. Mm -hmm. But apparently she didn't really want to be in this movie. And he you know, was OK with that. He didn't really care. But then they casted Tyler Maine, who's 6'8", and Rob Zombie is very big on details and, like, not having any stone unturned. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, if Michael's going to be this tall, oh, mm -hmm. people are going to wonder why. He needs a really tall mm -hmm. mom. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, Jerry Moon Zombie is really, mm -hmm. really tall. Hmm. So he ki he kind of came back to his wife and was like, I actually think you have to be the mom because you're tall. Wow. And that's how, that's why right. she ended up doing it. Yeah. So, that makes wow, sense. Yeah. She has some good scenes. She has some good scenes for sure. Um, I think the ones, the scenes where, like you said, she was kind of tender with Michael and loving. I actually like those, but the ones where she, they tried to depict her, like, you know, there's in the first scenes, Michael gets into a fight with some of the school bullies. He gets sent to the office. They call his mom and she starts arguing for him, which, you know, like any mom would, but then they start showing her photos of like dead animals that he's killed and they bring in Loomis for the first time and he starts to mention what you were saying earlier Rob about you know PETA and he said that uh, she kind of didn't believe that they actually came from him or that he was taking these pictures or killing these animals but Loomis was trying to say he goes the thrill of causing pain to small creatures it's a warning sign and then I would in that moment I would have expected like okay any reasonable person I don't care who you are to be like holy shit right but instead she goes a warning sign for what and mm -hmm. i thought what do you need him to tell you <laughs> he just showed you like a photo album of like murdered rats and squirrels like there should be no question and i thought that that kind of uh took away from her gentle loving you know i feel like if she was really concerned about michael she would be concerned about his mental health as well i, th I thought she i thought she was fine she wasn't great she wasn't bad yeah. she was just kind of whatever she's clearly like the obvious of like you know the director's wife but right. you know what i mean like what do you expect you know yeah so kind of moving on more characters and just kind of talk more about the acting. I want to know how you feel about the new Dr. Loomis, uh, Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> so Rob, do you have any? Um, I liked him. He's a good actor. He's a good actor. So like, you know, I mean, it's not like he can do wrong in this movie. It's like pretty solid. I thought mm. he was good all the way through. It's just so weird. Like the overall like ratings for this movie and reviews and Every, you just want you automatically want to compare it to the original so like yes. you know and it's just you it's almost like you cannot not think of that you know right. so you, so you, auto yeah, you automatically want to compare him to the original dr loomis you know and, and it's like it's so hard not to do it because like it's a different time 
like acting is we talked about this all the time of like you know going back to the 80s of a movie acting was so over the top mm-hmm. and nowadays like it's pretty straightforward and it's more like reserved and, and realistic so like trying to compare like their acting to the same character it's it's hard to do but I thought him just you know being an actor in this movie I thought he was good I thought he was really solid in this movie you know um, he showed compassion when he needed to show compassion I, there were certain scenes where I actually felt like he did care about Michael you know which I think is like the main point you're trying to get across especially in these origin stories that they're trying to tell is that he does care he does care about michael and i thought that they actually effectively did that well you know they didn't give him a lot of opportunity to go like crazy like crazy against the cops or yell like why is nobody listening to me like like you know donald pleasance Mm -hmm. does in the original couple movies but that's not really what they were trying to do in this movie they were trying to show him more reserved and and loving than anything else so yeah i liked it what about you greg yeah same i thought he was the probably the most solid actor throughout the movie really yeah, there were, see, I, I, one thing I liked about it is he had a few moments where I don't know if this was just improvised or he had these like exclamations that I just love that added to the scene. Like there was the scene where, um, Michael as a kid, uh, kills the nurse and he's still in the elevator and he starts yelling at everybody. What happened? What happened? I don't, I don't know why that it was so simple. I loved him not knowing what was going on and just like that exclamation seemed pretty real. There was the the moment where you find out that Michael escapes from the asylum and he hangs up and he goes, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That mm-hmm. part seemed real. And then, uh, again, towards the end, I'm not going to talk about the ending, but there was a scene where Michael, like, bashes through a window and he goes, what the hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are these few, like, small few lines that I feel like he added to the, the lines. And I thought he was pretty solid all mm-hmm. throughout. I feel like Laura is on the opposite opinion then. What do you I can I tell. Am. I can tell you. Hmm. You didn't like him at all, did you? I hated him <laughs> really oh my god i hated him i well, i, I really wonder if it's because like you have lived with the og halloween for so long and you love it so much and you love donald pleasance okay like, does that I, factor in i think that could absolutely be it i do think that donald pleasance was like the perfect he's the epitome and it, it could just be me looking at the original however i'm gonna tell you guys straight up i really liked this movie I embraced the differences. Mm. I was totally okay with the new direction it took. To me, I didn't think by by Zombie making this movie, he was like disrespecting the original like some people think. I'm like, Aww. this is just a different movie. Yeah. So if I'm so open-minded to this movie in general and enjoyed it, why do I hate him so much? Can I, you I, like call out a couple scenes that yeah, just you call out something? Just like, to me, he is acting like he should be on Broadway. Like he should be in a theater. He's like, Michael, I feel like I have failed you. Oh my God. I feel like that's just his accent. <laughs> but why is he talking like that? <laughs> I feel like I don't remember him doing that. I don't feel like he was he, over the top. He was over the top. I'm the what over about the, the line top person. He... That's all I noticed is over the top acting. Or okay, how about the yeah. scene where... It's they make it a big deal that he's retiring. This is my last day with you. Okay. And then they show him like walking out. And I'm just like, I don't feel it. I'm supposed to feel that you have a 15 year relationship with Michael Myers. I don't feel it. I did feel it with Donald Pleasant. So yes, I am comparing, but Mm. I didn't feel it. He was just like, I failed you. It's my last day. I'm retiring. Bye bye. And then he just walks off, and they <laughs> oh, like bye. zoom in on okay, him. Okay, I have to re- I have to rebuttal that, Laura. Because okay, look, good. the scene where where he's sitting with Michael and he says to him, "I feel like you're my best friend." Yeah. And he goes, "And hey. I and that 
So and, and then he, wow. listen, hold on, let me finish. And th- then he says that, and that says, what does he say, Rob? Like that, that goes, just goes to show how pathetic my life is or something. Yeah. The reason why I thought that was real is because he doesn't actually think of him as his best friend. He looks at him like he has grown close to him because he's tried to rehabilitate him through the years and has failed. So to me, that is like the biggest frustration and the biggest failure. Like, you know, imagine if you're a parent, you know, and you have a, a, a child that you feel like you've been trying to develop and then like say that child turns into a murderer. Mm-hmm. Like you would feel like the biggest failure, you know, but yet still connected to them. So I feel like when he walked away from that session, it was out of like, I guess, uh, just disappointment and he's relinquished his ability to do anything. So it, I actually don't think that he he was his friend because look, the very next scene, you see him teaching a lecture and he like writes a book about Michael. So w- I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Greg, I saw him writing a book so differently than you did. I saw that as him profiting off of this experience and just just thinking about money like exploiting him absolutely but put yourself in dr loomis's shoes what if you tried to fix a serial killer and you spent like i said 15 years being his personal you know i'm counselor. sorry he yeah. would he needs therapy as well dr loomis oh, prob- would be oh, yeah, smart certainly. enough to be like i need to be in lifelong therapy because i need to unpack <laughs> this my pr- my profession and and my Failure. So this first half of the movie, it just t- turned you off to his... No, I love the first half of the movie. I just no, to didn't his like him. Yes, I didn't. Oh, wow. I didn't like how they either wrote his character or or how this actor played it. Wow, that's insane. We're, we're on completely different spectrums. Like, I, I feel like, yeah, if you if you believe into him actually caring about Michael at all, then you're going to view his acting, his performance, the character one way. And if you don't, like you're talking about, Laura, then yeah, you're not going to view that. Because talking about the book thing, I never took it as like he's trying to make money. I took it as like he's trying to educate people about an experience and he feels remorse and sadness for not being able to help. Because it, because I, I I took, you know, him caring about Michael. It got to me. You know, it's a father and son. You know, it got to me, you know. Oh, because you said <laughs> that, I have to now say something I wasn't going to say. It was uh-huh. Michelle Myers. Uh, uh-huh. I'm not going to give away any spoilers but um come talk to me again after you've seen the sequel okay all right mm-hmm. wow that's well, like a threat. we're not reviewing the sequel so i'm gonna cut that out so don't worry about it yeah. no <laughs> <laughs> you sorry. can't cut it out uh, sorry sorry all right okay well well let's move on let's move on to um let's kind of finish up talking about new characters and acting and just talk about kind of the second half of this movie the grown-ups so grown-up Lori and you know her friends annie and linda do you guys want to call out any of that especially Lori. Greg, do you have any thoughts on kind of our new Lori? What you thought eh. about her? Eh. <laughs> yeah. eh. Look, um, she's completely different. She's mm-hmm. completely different when you watch this. Her, I actually thought that her character in this movie, Lori, was very one-dimensional and shallow, and I did not ca- I, I Not that I didn't care for the actress, but they didn't make me care for this character at all. For one, just the way the camera was shot. I love the angles, but you really didn't linger on her face at all. You really didn't see the hair was kind of hanging in front of her eyes. She had glasses on. You really couldn't see her expression. She was either joking with uh, her brother, you know, the boy she was babysitting, or joking with her parents, or or joking with her friends she was never you never understood her plight i never understood what her struggles were mm-hmm. what she was going through so i really didn't relate to her at all actually mm. okay what wow. about you, Rob? i don't know i mean i i 
I'm I'm definitely more positive than Greg. You know, um, I thought she was a good actress. I thought I thought almost I think everybody in this movie is a good actress. To be honest with you, you know, there's I don't think there's one person I could point out that was like really got to me bad. Um, but I thought she was fine. You know, I thought she was fine uh, as far as an actress goes. I like the whether you want to call it the natural dialogue or the natural charisma, the you know back and forth with each other. I thought it was like her, between her and her friends was super organic. And it felt like real conversations to me, you know, whether it was like joking around or something like that. It felt like it was natural. I mean, the thing with Greg talking about, I don't I, I didn't pay attention to her hair or what was in her face or anything <laughs> like that. I didn't even notice that name something. I, I didn't even think about that, you know. Actually, Rob, just to cut real quick, I feel like that is huge because that was kind of your gripe with the first one. You didn't really like her friends and you didn't really believe what they were saying. I thought in the original, their acting is so over the top in the original that it mm-hmm. just bugged me every everything they say once some somebody like you're talking about loomis once you already established like i do not like what he sounds like i don't like what he's saying it mm. all kind of melts together and make you not really give a shit what they're saying you know mm-hmm. so like for this one i didn't really have that i thought all the friends sounded natural they all sounded like you know i mean like you're, you're dressed up as uh what's your name rachel what's your name in this movie annie 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 in this movie and and i thought she was great i thought she was great in this movie rachel <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought everybody was solid in this movie, and, and I but I didn't think I mean this whatever you want to call her a new Lori. I mean she's not Jamie Lee Curtis. Like she doesn't no, she doesn't like uh, she doesn't own the screen like Jamie Lee Curtis did. But I thought yeah. as an actress, the lines she was given, the you know the facial expressions she made, I thought she was solid. Yeah. So I actually agree. I think that she was solid. I had a weird, I wouldn't say this is a grinding gears, but I did have a weird thing where I felt like she was very spazzy. Hmm. Do you guys kind of see that? She was just like always jumping and moving and mm-hmm. she was just kind of spazzy. And so that kind of, I don't know, I didn't love that. Hmm. Um, but, mm-hmm. but I agree. I think that, you know, I'm big on like, if you're kind of in the beginning, but then when shit starts to go down, you, you pull it together. And you seem very scared and with it and like you're ready to kick some ass, which I felt like she did. So I was I was happy with her performance kind of towards the end. But Mm -hmm. I will say that I just I think I just love Danielle Harris. I loved Annie and I feel so bad that she had to spend half of her scenes topless. Oh, it <laughs> uh, made me yeah. so sad. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys, mm-hmm. you guys want to comment on that or what, no. the nudity? The nudity in this movie? I shall or? not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's um, let's kind of jump into zombie. And I, I know that a lot of I know that we actually haven't seen a lot of his movies, but I think we all know his reputation. And we know he has a style mm-hmm. that obviously came out in some scenes in this movie. Yeah, literally, whether literally it, came out. Yeah. Yeah, whether it be nudity or there, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about it real quick. But there was a rape scene in this movie, which I absolutely could have done without. Yeah, uh, a really awful scene where, you know, Michael's at the institution. It's right before he breaks out. So he's about 25 years old, I think. And two young, whether they're orderlies or I don't know. I think like orderlies. Mm-hmm. Orderlies. Okay. They, um, they're just like fucking around and they find this one inmate who is a female and who's new and they decide they're like drunk and they decide to fuck with her so they pull her out of her room and they end up bringing her into michael's room which visually is insane because it's covered with all of his uh handmade really cool yeah Mm -hmm. really cool 
Um, and they why you would step within ten feet of that room, I don't know. Oh, but, yeah. I know. I mean, <laughs> fucking ridiculous. But they they end up both raping her just in front of him while he's sitting there working on a mask, just taunting him. Yeah, let let me jump in here. So this is this is my biggest negative of this movie is yeah. this one scene i don't yeah. mind the actual the other sex scenes in this movie they're normal they're you know consensual <laughs> um but yeah. this this scene is it's it's horrible you know it, it's yeah. horrific it's you know i just i don't like i don't want to go that far in a movie and i know it's for shock value which makes me even more upset that it is done in movies now you know i know there's certain movies where it's part of the storyline so you have to have it in there to show a character either prevailing or overcoming or or even like dealing with the aftermath of being abused but for this scene the use of it is so in poor taste and i thought really really just fucked up that i was really upset after this scene to be honest with you yeah so so for for the counterbalance of this scene i would have to say that like this is a reality yeah this happens sadly do i want to see it in a film no like do i want to be aware that it happens to people so more people can be aware of what to look out for yes but i felt like there was definitely a way to do this scene have the same impact of what you're trying to get across right. without going so far into showing both these males sexually abusing her you know fully yeah. i felt like it was a enough in the very beginning where they're looking in her shirt and you could t- you already know what's going to happen you know the innuendo you know what's going to happen yeah. if they would have just let that be enough or even like they start to like take off her clothes and then michael comes up that's all you need you don't need to cross the threshold of what this did it is does not add anything to this movie other than no. to people that want to watch that and, and i know that's what laura was kind of talking about like rob zombie has definitely a a way of of writing and doing things where he likes to cross the boundary of what is acceptable in cinema and i respect that as like an artist and a creator but i do not condone this two minute scene i thought it was horrible i hated it so much like so i noticed that as as an adult michael myers really well even as a kid you know the moment that he stepped foot into that psych ward he basically only killed when he was triggered and triggered is a, is a word like like in psychology that they use to describe something that provokes an inner feeling or, or, or you know or um emotion in you that causes you to act a certain way like you know and they say you know if you remove your triggers you can likely remove the behaviors that come from it um you know there's the the scene where that nurse made a comment about his baby sister and, and that oh. the baby sister was was pretty and that he didn't uh he wasn't related clearly yeah. like insulting him yeah. and then that that caused him to feel defensive that was his trigger you know then there was uh when Danny Trejo's uh character the guard tries to put like handcuffs on him and he felt like again it triggered him into feeling like trapped um there were a bunch of like different triggers and this was like one of them but like Rob said you you don't have to I mean there's actually you could spend an hour going into even worse stuff if you want but it's like where did he draw that line and clearly the three of us draw it way before so I wanted to ask a question though because in my mind I'm trying to figure out why like, why did he go so far? Was it just for shock value? You know, because it, in that scene, after it happens and Michael beats the shit out of the orderlies, I literally wrote in my notes, Michael, and I put hero as a question mark. And I was wondering, like, is that why he went so far? Because th- this whole movie, I mean, we'll just kind of talk about this real quickly, but this whole movie is all about making Michael human. 
You know, you either need to relate to him. You need to be slightly rooting for him at parts. You need to yeah. feel about what this Michael character is. So, right. like, that's my only thing is, like, if he went so far into that to make you hate these two guys so much that when Michael beats the shit out of him, you're so happy that it happens that you're rooting for Michael, then maybe I still don't condone it. I just wanted to ask you guys, how did you feel when Michael beat the shit out of those guys? Did you feel happy? Were you like, oh, yes? Oh, of course. I was thrilled. I think it's everything you've said. It's all of the above. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, it. I think Rob Zombie, if you were to ask him, he would say it's to show that these things do happen. And he wants to show it. A lot of people are like, if things happen, we should be showing it. So that is an extent. I mean, I'm not saying I agree with that at yeah. all. I hated the scene. I could have done without it. But I think that that's true. I think the fact that he does push the envelope and he has no problem doing so. Yeah. And then I think it's also because, I mean, he spent the first half of this movie giving Michael Myers a backstory where we feel bad. We feel bad for his upbringing. We're like, well, I get why he tortures animals. I get why his very first kill was this kid at school who bullies him and is mm -hmm. awful to him. I mean, he's just completely snapped. And, you know, I kind of get why he snaps on Halloween and kills his stepdad. Maybe not his sister. That was a little too far for me. But well, she, she didn't take him trick-or-treating, so there you go. It's justifiable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I think to answer your question, I think you've already answered why. You probably already know why. But yeah, it's it sucks. That scene sucks. So yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But you know, we had to bring it up, so we did it. It's over. Let's just kind of move on to <laughs> something, something uh, mm -hmm. a little happier. So, like we said, one yeah, of the let's big... move on to murders. That's actually more happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. What What I wanted to bring up was that you kind of mentioned. Okay, this is the big difference was giving him a backstory. Do you guys want to call out any other comparisons to the first one, the OG, or things that were completely different? I mean, we kind of already talked about the differences, but. Any Easter eggs where he he does kind of honor the original? Yeah, yeah. One big difference that I actually liked was this this concept of the mask. Mm. So the mask becomes iconic in the first one just because of it looks unique, and at the time you'd never seen it. But in in this movie, they get they really get into what the mask means. So when he's a child, Doctor Loomis explains that Michael creates these like paper mache masks mm -hmm. so that he can can hide from and within himself. And he even has that little line where his mom comes to visit him and he goes, oh, I'm hiding from my ugliness. Yeah. So he's clearly been traumatized and abused and has no sense of self-worth whatsoever that he feels like he just wants to hide from the world. Mm -hmm. So um, I actually, I thought this was such a cool component of the movie. So you see, as he gets older, he just builds these masks. And, you know, when he's... Uh, <laughs> Even the very first one that he creates when, when he's a kid, he puts it on and he looks like a little baby member of Slipknot. His kind of hair <laughs> hangs over like this and it just looks all like a Viking, you know, thing. It looks super creepy. And by the time he's old, he's just lined his walls mm -hmm. with, with masks. Mm -hmm. And it's so creepy. And it makes you wonder, like, what is he feeling when he puts on each one of those individual masks? And... um I did like how, as far as like similarities, they did bring back the original. So in one of the earlier scenes, um, you know, oddly enough, like his sister Judith is like, you know, having sex with this guy in the bed and, you know, he, he goes like, what does he say? He goes, Oh, I want to do it with the mask on. Yeah. Which by the way, I thought was odd. I figured like, you know, maybe doing it with the mask on is like step 40 or 50 in on the sex scale, you know, <laughs> but okay, whatever. <laughs> so they decided to do that. Michael, 
gets in the room, you know, he kills them both. And then when he puts on that mask and it's the one from the original, you know, when he starts walking down the hallway. Yeah. He's like a, he's like a little kid with the adult Michael Myers mask. Uh, oh, creepy. That right? is my favorite. It's my oh. favorite thing. It, I that love shook me that. Seeing yeah. Me. It's, it, the, it's the juxtapose of like a little body with a giant head. Yeah. Like coming towards you. Like that is horrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's giving the original that shout out, but it's putting it on the younger boy's body. Mm-hmm. And it's like him, he's young, he's so fucked up, and he's just, he's Michael Myers from the get-go. And, oh, I just, that was, I think that might be my favorite scene of this really? movie. Yeah. It, de- it definitely makes me look at my, like, pop figures differently now, seeing, like, a big head on a little body. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if I actually want to start collecting those anymore. <laughs> it was so odd-looking. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, but it was, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you, Greg. The the mask lore that Rob Zombie creates in this is, is fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's fucking brilliant. It, it's such a great idea and actually super practical to like, you know, uh, what do you want to call it? Like psychosis and like the way that you like your mind breaks down and almost like split personality ish, you know, like that type of stuff. And so like, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if Rob Zombie actually either co- either consulted some type of psychiatric person or read mm-hmm. a bunch of material because it sounds very accurate and not like like unrealistic to what actually would happen in this type of situation. So I fucking loved it. Oh yeah. Yeah. What else you got, Rob? I think one of the biggest things, and I don't know if this is going to be something Laura is going to talk about because one of Laura's biggest gripes in the original Halloween was the fact that Lori had to talk herself out of seeing Michael so many times in the original movie. Mm-hmm. And this movie does such a great job of like fixing that plot hole of like, you know, Lori in this movie only sees Michael like twice. Yeah. She sees him like once in the street and like once, I think, like outside of like a library and mm-hmm. like that's it. So it doesn't go so far to where she's seen him everywhere. So when she has to like not think about it anymore, it doesn't seem unnatural. So I really like that difference that they kind of fix that slight negative I felt in the original Halloween, too. Yeah. And I call it another plot hole that was fixed that I figured, <laughs> Robbie, you would have loved was the was the sheet scene yes. where we found out that Michael yes. Myers doesn't actually oh! have to cut holes mm-hmm. into the sheet. Exactly. That was my other one too. You're, That's you're right. You're taking, okay, wait, I, I gotta, I gotta tackle this. Go I gotta, for it, yeah. I gotta say, I love that he kept those two death scenes pretty much the same. Um, the scene is with Linda and her boyfriend, Bob, and they're having sex. Although this time it's at the Myers empty home. Nice touch. I thought nice touch. Yeah. yeah. Nice it touch. Sense, actually. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, is that Bob, the boyfriend, when he goes to get Linda, her beer, because she says, get me a beer, motherfucker. You know, that's what Laura thinks that she says. Uh, he comes back with the sheet already on him and the glasses and the beer to scare her. And so you're already like, when you first see it, you're like, okay, wait, is that Bob or is that Michael? And right when you're like, oh, shit, that's Bob. You know, he's walking fast. He's super excited to go scare his girlfriend. And then all of a sudden you get a jump scare of Michael just boom, coming out of a corner and kind of intercepting him. And you're like, oh, fuck. And so that's what Michael does. He puts on the sheet and the glasses and then he comes into the room and so essentially it's, it's the same kill. And then even more so than that, um, he, she ends up saying like, okay, you're annoying and I'm gonna make a phone call. And he ends up strangling her, not with the cord of the phone, but just mm-hmm. strangling her with his huge ass fucking X-Men saber tooth hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I love that that scene was 
to me, those few scenes were the most like verbatim to the original, Mm -hmm. the most similar. And I thought that was perfect because when I look back on the original, that's what I see. I see Bob, you know, that's been like knifed into the wall and Mm -hmm. it's holding him up and he's kind of looking, Michael Myers is looking at him. And then I see the whole ghost scene with the glasses. And we talked a lot about that two episodes ago. So I loved Mm -hmm. that. I loved it. They they fixed my plot hole of like, how did Michael cut (laughs) holes in a sheet? Like, how did he do it? And this solves it. It's like, yeah, he didn't. He took it off this kid. Yeah. Made more sense, if anything, in this movie, because he's cutting up newspaper for those masks. (laughs) He's probably like an expert with scissors. Dude, that's Mm -hmm. true. I, God, Mm -hmm. I gotta say, I do appreciate that zombie thought so much as to the why of so many different things he really did Mm -hmm. think of answers to a lot of those things i mean you you definitely could tell he's a fan he watched this movie when he was younger he's a fan and these are the same things we all think watching the original halloween is like why this or why that so he's like i'm literally gonna make a movie i'm gonna fix these whys or i'm gonna say why they happened yeah so that's so cool you know i wanted to ask greg though real fast like speaking of like the paper mache and making masks greg you're an artist you're like an artistic person have you ever made like paper mache anything yeah paper mache masks and you guys didn't do that in school you made a paper mache mask yeah Oh, wow. That's this went The way dark. that you do that is you, you, you blow up a balloon and you cut out strips of newspaper and then you dip it into something. You guys, you never did that in grade okay, school? Okay. No. I got to cut in. For any, any new listeners that have just joined us for Conjecture Wing, uh, we have a theory that Greg is actually a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> Why was I not informed of this theory? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we. Oh no, Rob think, knows I what think, I'm talking I think, about. I think me and Laura. Th- this podcast is all really just a, a way of, of to make Greg confess his sins. It, it's 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 one like year long intervention. Yeah, yeah. We're just we're just subtly doing it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know, we, we always just kind of call out things that he says where we're like, oh, you would know, Greg, you're a killer. Yeah. So I feel true. like this is just adding to it. This ad, ad, I'm being yeah, set up. This adds to the Greg lore of uh, all the stuff he's pulled in the past, and he makes paper mache masks. What would you do with the mask, Greg? Would you just stack them all up in a room like Michael and just hang them on the walls? God, what did we do? We like painted them. We painted them and then you just put them on your shelf. You know, you you take it off the balloon and you had a mask. I honestly don't know. Wow. Uh, all right. Job. Okay, well, great. Cool. We're going to we're going to move on. All right. So we've kind of been talking a lot about Rob Zombie. Do you guys want to call out his directing style? We've talked a lot about just kind of his writing style and um but what about any directed scenes you want to call out, Rob? I feel like do yeah. you have any? Yeah, let me let me start first. You know, I, I know him of course as a musician you know, as an entertainer and as an artist, I listened to his music back in the day and stuff like that. So like I knew going into this movie that he's definitely going to have a certain directing style and perspective, very like art house, very creative, because I just know that's the type of person he is. If you're already like creating, you know, any type of art music. So I was super happy when I watched this movie that I I, I was right. I thought his directing was so great in this movie. I don't know if Greg's going to like counterbalance this, but there's so many good, I think, directing scenes in this movie, whether it's, you know, the standard handheld camera that is in every horror movie now, um, you know, shooting different scenes, POV. You have like 
certain scenes where he's doing a really good job of changing focuses where it's in the same scene and he's focused on Michael's little Michael's face and then he'll you know change the focus to be on Lori's face in the background that's really cool technical work um I really love there's two scenes in this movie that go hand in hand with each other I thought that was really cool one is little Michael's original kill on his sister and it's the one we're talking about where Michael little Michael has like the giant Michael Myers head on and it's really odd looking it's in the hallway Mm. when Michael starts coming at her not only is it handheld camera but the actual camera is vibrating violently Mm. it's vibrating and to me it's to symbol like insanity it's to symbolize like the insanity he is going through and they don't do it again until the very end of this movie when he's going for Lori at the end they do the same Mm. exact thing where the the camera vibrates Mm -hmm. and so like I thought like one as like a director as a creator even as a writer because also shout out to Rob Zombie he wrote this movie too yeah you know so like even as a writer to you know kind of like call back that original shot you did and the way you shot it at the end I thought was really cool so I I really liked his directing this movie I thought it fits so perfect for for a slasher film and especially this franchise yeah what about you Greg yeah, all of the positive stuff that you just raised, Rob, were probably my favorite things about the directing. I love the camera work. It was it was so good. I actually thought it works better for, like you said, a modern slasher movie. It was it was really well done. All the shots were very intimate, you know, and they didn't linger too long. Like you said, sometimes they faded, they zoomed in and out at just the right angle. Sometimes a tree kind of pop into your view. It was it was brilliant. That was one of my favorite things about the movie. But you know, as far as like the direction of um of just like the flow of the movie and the and the actors, I it was not my favorite thing. I ha- I feel like he I feel like Rob Zombie like being this is my only movie that I've ever seen of him. If this was the only thing that he's ever directed, I would tell you that he seems like a guy that does not understand like tension. You know, mm. he, he, he doesn't understand like balance and the value of holding back. Mm. Like all of his scenes are very like, no, I, I keep saying over the top, but it's more like just in your face, just more and more. Yeah. There's no like waiting in the wings to build up that, that spring, that tension. Which I hate to say is like, you, you can't help but compare this movie to the 1978 version. That was one thing I was very unhappy with, with just myself because I kept trying to split off and be yeah. like, this is a different movie, different movie. But it really came to a head when he started like duplicating scenes. And I thought, right. oh, well, we're just rehashing that one. It's almost like I can't not think about the original. Right. So when I was doing that, it just kept feeling like I'm not a fan of this style. And then when he was reusing the music in those scenes, it seemed like the music didn't fit because it's very like 70s, 80s. It's eerie. It's more of a mysterious type of tune that the Halloween theme and mysterious is not a word that you associate to like violence and gore and action mysterious is something that settles Mm -hmm. and i didn't get that you know rob you liked how the girls would talk to each other i i wasn't a fan of that i felt like their conversations were too quick you know the you know what we talked about the happening when you have a conversation in a movie and i feel like the the characters don't have time to breathe right and it, it didn't seem believable to me. And every conversation was like, you're a slut. You're a slut. I want to bone this guy. I want to bone that guy. It's like a little bit is okay. But you, you took like an edgy aspect of like teenage sexuality and just kind of like went really far. And I thought it was a little bit over the top. But like that thing of just like putting your foot to the pedal, it actually, I felt sort of desensitized. Like when Michael Myers started just killing people, at that point, I, it felt very like uninspired to me. Like I didn't feel... Like, since the tension wasn't there, there wasn't enough for me to react to. So even though it was, like, gory, 
and it was probably way more than the original because of you know he him directing it in that like direction. It just I wasn't scared by. I wasn't yeah. scared by this movie. I really wasn't scared by Michael Myers. Yeah. So um, but um, all the technical stuff though, like like you said, Rob, I was a big fan of all that. Yeah, I feel like you know I'm totally in between you both again. I think that I, Greg, I think you're right. I wasn't scared this whole movie. And it's really interesting because I'm sure you guys have probably seen on Twitter or maybe you feel this way about certain movies. But when you're a horror fan, you actually have a library of horror movies that are like your comfort movies and you kind of watch on repeat. Have you seen people post about those yeah. like, oh, mm -hmm. these are like my top three. I could just watch them all the time. Yeah. This, I think, is becoming my comfort movie. This? So clearly I'm not scared uh, by it at hmm. all. But I just think it's good enough to where I, I'm like, I could just watch this whenever. Really? Hmm. Yes. So, so I, you know, it kind of describe. I, I think I'm just trying to give you guys a preface to why I may give this a higher rating when we're done speaking about it, even though I do have a lot of negatives. But yeah, I think that one, another one of my biggest negatives about this is that this is two movies in one. The yes. first half is this brand new movie. It's the backstory. And then we go into him actually at the asylum and his time with Dr. Loomis and showing all these videos of him in the mask and just, you know, starting to talk less and show his face less. And I loved all of that. I thought that was mm -hmm. phenomenal. And then the second half of the movie, 15 years later, is like a true remake. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's it's like the same story. We've got our adult Lori. She's adopted. We've got her going to babysit on Halloween night. She's got the two same friends. They just want to have sex on Halloween. She's babysitting the kids. Michael's out for her. And to me, it, it, it was too bad because I didn't have a problem with the remake version for the second half of the movie. But I was, like you said, Greg, I was kind of checked out. By the time it came you know, like when she was in the wall of the house and yeah. trying to like climb above, yeah. I, I was kind of checked out at that point. I was like, this isn't that scary. We've already kind of seen it. This movie's been going on for almost two hours yeah. now. That, that, that's another thing. I actually fell asleep in that one for for like a split second. Oh, no. <laughs> and I've, I've never done that on any of our movies this far. Oh, that's shit. Crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. not good. I was going to say, this movie definitely has the syndrome we talk about where if you're watching it and you ever look at your watch and you're like, wow, this is going long. How long is this movie? It does have that. The The third act of this movie is about 15 minutes too long. Yeah. The, the same thing we talk about, I think, in a couple of movies, like they should have cut out one sequence here or something like that. It's just too long at the end. Uh, yeah. It should have been a little bit quicker or make the first, you know, asylum stuff. Make that a little shorter, something. But you got to find 15 minutes because it did feel slightly too long. I agree with you there. I actually read something that, when Rob Zombie picked up this project, he wanted the first movie to be a completely new movie about the backstory of Michael, and that's it. And then he had plans on making a sequel. He wanted that to be and, and feel like the remake. Yeah. And they oh, said no. Wow. That so that's why the, exactly. So this movie, it's kind of a little bit of this and a little bit of that because he couldn't just focus on this beginning story. Yeah. It did feel like two mashed into one. And I think this is where I get lost in who's the main character in this movie. It's it's definitely Michael. This isn't even a question. Yeah. You know, it's not even a question in this movie. I know. Because in, in the original, it's Laurie. The original is Laurie. Yeah. Yeah. Th this is all Michael. This is the thing is like, uh, so it, it's clearly Michael to me. 
until the point where you see him revert back to his blind, callous, inhuman uh, behavior of just murdering people, then I feel like, okay, then that switch is turned off. I don't have to care about him because he's just an evil demon running off and killing people. So then where do I look to? And I feel like I didn't have enough on Lori to say, oh, now she's the next character. And then I didn't have Michael to say I empathize with him anymore. So I felt kind of lost at, at some mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, I mean, definitely Michael is the main character and he's he's the story. Like I said, Rob Zombie definitely had a vision of trying to humanize yeah. Michael and make you care and feel for what he's become, you know, um, in, in certain scenes. I mean, like I said, I don't think we want to talk about the end right now, Laura, but uh, you know, that's where the biggest yeah. payoff is going to be with trying to humanize him is that payoff of what he decides to do with Lori, which is probably right. one of the biggest deviations from the original movie. But did you yeah. feel any closeness to Michael? I did. I did. You yeah. did. I, I did. did too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, watching with my wife, I asked her the same question at the end. Like, did you ever like even care about Michael? Did it, did it work? Cause I know what Rob Zombie's trying to do. And she was like, no, she's like, I never gave a shit. And I was like, wow. But it got it got to me. It got I, to I, me too. It, it, I yeah. felt it, you know, and and when it pays off at the end, like I feel it, like I feel myself almost being like, like you feel sad for him at the end. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, which is the point of this movie? That's the yeah. emotion they want you to pull. My wife had the interesting notion of the Danny Trejo character. She she was saying that if Michael would have let him live. It would have been better because it would have, it would have, oh, for sure. It would have gave, it would have yes. gave more into like Michael has a side that's actually still human. But, but when mm-hmm. he kills Danny Trejo, it's like, wow, he's just a killer. So when, when it comes to the end and he does what he does with Lori, it's more surprising. But I feel like if he would have kept Trejo alive, I think it would have actually been a way better flow. But this is what I'm talking about. I feel like when he killed Danny Trejo's character, I thought, okay. If he didn't keep him alive, the guy that's been like the custodian and looking after him and his friend, even closer than Dr. Loomis, then nobody can stay alive. So then that's when I kind of checked out of Michael Myers. I lost empathy. I I wonder what was the decision. I mean, they could have easily just let him. There were moments where it looked like he was going to let him live. Why do you think he just decided just, okay, kill him? You guys, it's a very simple concept. You take out all of your ugliness on the ones you're closest to. Hmm. Think about your spouse. Have there been times where your spouse is like doing all the right things, but you're, and I know this is like a terrible example actually, but (laughs) maybe you're in a mood or, you know, something has built up inside you and you just are like, you know, in the moment you're like, they don't deserve this, Mm -hmm. but I'm just so mad. And you're my comfort zone. You're my person. Mm -hmm. Take it out on you. Mm That was this character to him. He was like a dad. He honestly, it was clear he meant more to Michael than Dr. Loomis did. And therefore, that's, I think, why there's the scene where he actually is kind of complacent when he's saying, okay, we got to go back to the room. Come on, Mikey. It's going to be okay. He's complacent. And then he even kind of lifts his wrists like, okay. I think the biggest mistake there was, I think, if he had said, you know what? We're not going to use cuffs, but let's walk back. I actually think if he would have done that, he would have lived. Wow. So that's my theory on that. I like that theory. It makes sense. For me, it just goes into storytelling. And it goes into yeah. when, you, when you kills Trejo, like Greg said, you kind of check out with even caring about Michael. 
Because at that point, you're like, yeah. this guy is just a monster now. So it, it, when the end happens with Lori, it's more surprising because you don't expect it because you've already established oh. he's, in, he's, in, he's a monster now. But if you okay. would have kept yeah. Trejo alive, you would still have that hope. So you would kind of maybe be thinking maybe he is going to do something different. So I, like so that. I don't know. Yeah. But what about this? There is a scene where he's in the house. He's in, I think, Lindsay Wallace's house where Annie's babysitting. Mm-hmm. He makes his way in there and it's kind of the same scene as the OG where Lindsay Wallace is watching some horror movie and she's just kind of frozen on the couch in her costume watching it and Annie's off in the background yelling at her to get ready and there's a scene where he stands behind her and he just stands there and he's like no I'm not gonna touch this kid well why not he's a killer right Mm mm-hmm like that that's the line you don't cross i guess i don't i don't i don't know maybe it reminds him of his sister when she was a baby i don't know and she and I, like and that could be it yeah. yeah maybe he he associates um like abuse with like adults and like you know uh, children but not like kids to to him maybe kids babies toddlers they're they're innocent and they can't harm you and probably none has ever harmed him in his life. It's just it's just been the adults that have have abused him. Yeah, maybe we all got different takes. Okay. So we'll never know. We need to we need to we need to get yeah. Rob Zombie on this podcast. Let me reach out to him. Let's see what I can do. Let me let me right. let me, let me yeah. uh, get my wig on and I'll give him a call. Yeah, real quick before we move on, I just want to say that I did have a favorite directed scene. It really stood out to me. It, it's the scene where the three girls are walking home and uh, Lori kind of breaks off and she kind of thought she saw him. And then it's a scene of her walking and then she walks behind a tree. And then all of a sudden you see Michael walking mm-hmm. and then he's behind a tree mm-hmm. and then you see her and it kind of does it a few times. I thought that was amazing. And like you said, it, it honestly did a lot for me where I didn't really buy into a lot of that in the first one and i felt like yeah she's just walking and doesn't even notice him and i really bought that so i really love that scene but you know i i think we're basically at the ending now so um okay so i i'm gonna do a very quick ending here obviously we've got a showdown michael and Lori. michael traps Lori and has a photo of him at age 10 9 and a young Lori angel myers And once he finally gets her there, and she has no idea who he is and what's going on. She thinks she's going to die. He shows her the photo of him and her like, hey, here you go. And he even drops his knife. He kneels down. He is showing her that this is who he cares about. It's his little sister. He loves her. He he is not going to harm her. Mm -hmm. And obviously, she has no idea. And she's looking at this picture. She says, I don't understand. And she grabs his knife and tries to stab him or does stab him she does he does stab him and then you kind of have like a showdown where she escapes and he's after her he's really upset and at the very end (laughs) she is standing near a window in a balcony kind of like the original and he goes running towards her and knocks her off the balcony and she lands on top of him and he's kind of unconscious and she has a gun I believe it's Loomis's yeah. gun that she's had. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, I love this last minute. She, you could see that she is not sure. Like I've never shot anyone. I don't think mm-hmm. I can do it. She's sitting on top of him on the ground, but she knows she has to. And then she just pulls the trigger and she shoots him and she's covered in blood. And that scream, that primal, just like, 
I just shot someone right in my face, scream. Oh my God. It so really affected me. And then that's it. Credits roll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Yeah. What, what, what about you, Greg? What did you think of like the ending of this movie and stuff? As far as that scene goes, um, when they're on the ground and she shoots him, I, it really shocked me because yeah, you're stuck here thinking this is like episode, you know, whatever movie eight in the, was this number six in the series? We're talking about an unstoppable Terminator. And then yet they're depicting him as she shoots him in the face and kills him in the credits roll. Just like that. No continuation. It really shocked me. Yeah. I mean, for me, like this is a really great ending to this movie, you know, and, and one, one, one I kind of knew was probably going to come, you know, like at the end of this movie a bit, you mm-hmm. know, with the, you know, there's the opening scene in this movie where after Michael kills all her family members, he goes to the little baby and he just like kisses the baby and he's like, hi, boo, happy Halloween. So you could tell like yeah. right away at the very beginning of the movie, they're establishing like, no, he cares for her. So I knew at the end of this movie, it was going to yeah. have a payoff. I, I, just, I really like the end. I mean, we already talked about this movie is about 15 minutes too long. So I really wish they would have cut some of the stuff out of the end. I mean, at one point, you know, he drags her to the house. They end up going out of the house. They're in like an empty swimming pool. That's where Loomis shoots him, I think, yeah. twice. They think he's dead. Then he goes, pulls her back into the house. So like that back and forth, Too they much. didn't need it. Either have the finale be you're in the pool and that's where this is happening or cut out the pool or like one of those scenes. Cause it just didn't, I get like, it's a good jump scare when Michael like punches through the glass of the windshield of the car. It's a great jump yeah. scare when you think it's over. And it's also a shout back to one of the classic lines in the original where Loomis, you know, where she asks, uh, Loomis, you know, is that the boogeyman? And he's like, yes, dear, it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. And so, like that's a great shout out but the actual ending itself and the you know feeling for michael when he kneels down in front of his little baby sister takes off his mask which you've already established is his connection to his insanity and connection to his mm-hmm. his darkness the abyss inside of him so when he takes off that mask to me like i really wish they would have showed his face though I really wanted to see his face for a second just to like humanize it even more, but they didn't. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I felt for Michael this whole movie. It got to me like little scenes where like Loomis like touches his shoulder when he says goodbye. I'm like, Oh, it got to me. So like everything got to me. So when this ending happens, like I felt it. I like, I felt like the longing of like him wanting to connect with somebody, the only person he's probably ever loved in his life, you know? Yeah. And, and I understand that like she, of course, doesn't remember him. She was like eight months old or something like that. Yeah. And him not being able to convey and express like, I'm your brother. This is who I am. Like he hasn't talked for 15 years. His vocal cords probably barely work. And, but I did feel it. And I felt so bad when she stabs him because she just doesn't know. And then it's just such a great overall sequence. And then he puts the mask back on. The music starts up again. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to do what the only thing I know to do. And that's kill now. You know, that's all he knows how to do. Yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed, like, you know, they um, they borrow that same concept from the first movie of uh, he unearths, the you know, the grave of, of the mother. Mm-hmm. He did that in this one, but yet, you know what he did? He took the headstone of his mom and put it in the basement. So in this scene, it's, it's actually, you know, he's doing all these murders. If you can get past all that and, and realize he's just a damaged person trying to get back to his family, mm-hmm. trying to see his mom, which the closest thing he could do is bring her headstone into the room, which was like, that was so sad for me. And then his sister, who is now grown up, but she doesn't know anything. She doesn't know him. So she kind of rejects him, which was even sadder. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the whole, I, I actually wish that they focused more on this like family dynamic and him being, you know, like a hurt soul more, but I don't know. This doesn't seem like it's his style. Yeah. 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 Do you guys have any other positives or favorite scenes that you want to call out that we haven't already talked about or negatives? I mean, my, my biggest negative talking about Michael and Lori and their connection. My biggest thing is like the biggest plot hole of like how, why, how does he even know? Yeah. I didn't understand. I, how I, I watched this out. movie a second time trying to see if there's something in there somebody said something but there there's not nobody ever says anything about like this is where your sister is or anything like that there's only the one scene where he like smells the the lead smell, yeah that. smells the letter <laughs> that Lori put in the most out of her own home and but then how did he know that that was even Lori? That, that's, what I, that's what i'm saying there is not there is not a rational reason that i saw in this movie of being like how does how does he know that's even his sister and that's what works in the original movie of just the fact that just like he zones in on a random person and kills him you know what i mean and that works in this movie if you're setting up all this backstory and connection and you leave out like to me one of the biggest plot holes of like, how does he even know? It, it, that's one of my biggest negatives is that because it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't. What about you, Greg? Do you have any other negatives you want to talk about? I I've got a few, and look, I I just you can cut these out for sure, but because they kind of seem nitpicky, and one that's just a question I wanted to ask you guys, but I it just it's like a splinter in my brain. I have to get it out. Um. One. Well, actually, you already mentioned it, Rob. How did he identify Laurie? Two, toward the end, when you see Michael, Loomis is trying to talk him out of stopping the chase with Laurie and saying, it's not her fault. Take me instead. He grabs him and he gouges his eyes out with his thumbs, (laughs) right? But then like the very next scene, Loomis is okay. He's like lying on the floor. I didn't, that was kind of a hole to me. And then I know that, I know that you guys, I've, I've told you guys this before that I have an issue when someone starts shooting a revolver, I start like counting how many bullets have been shot and Loomis um, shoots three shots. Like Michael is in the pool chasing after Laura and he shoots three shots out of his revolver. Okay. So that means there's three left. And then Lori picks up the gun. Do you remember after Michael knocks out of the window, mm-hmm. she picks up the gun and then she clicks three empty times. Yeah. But then on the fourth one, she grabs the bullet, like gets in the chamber and mm-hmm. shoots him. And I thought that doesn't make sense. Like the way that it turns, you know, you shoot three the next three loaded chambers fall into place. The first shot that she would have shot would have clicked and killed mm-hmm. him. You don't suddenly go from the full ones to the empty ones like that. That was so bizarre. Obviously, very nitpicky. I'm sorry. This is obvious. This is clearly another like, oh, Greg would know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just outed myself. Yeah. Didn't I? There you go, Greg. Mm-hmm. I actually, um, I counted it too, and I never do this. And I thought of you. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, I did didn't you? know if it was like so obvious that even I was picking up on it or if I was like, oh, Greg's rubbing off on me because I'm starting to count them. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things like I do the same thing when I see someone get killed on screen. I start like zooming in on their chest and I go, are they breathing? How does their acting? Yep. And if I see them like they move their lips, I go, ah, I got gotcha. you. You're a, you're a, you're a picky <laughs> motherfucker. I, I am yeah. a picky motherfucker. So then here, here's the last thing I just wanted to ask you guys. And I thought it was a little bit off, like why they even did this. And maybe you guys have a good explanation for it. What was the point of the sheriff revealing that he took Lori as a baby to another town? Oh, I love that. What was the point? This was another example of Rob Zombie, like, explaining something that bugged me the first time. 
we have always said, why stay in Haddonfield? Why does this family stay in Haddonfield? He literally took this baby out of town to get adopted by someone and go far, far away. And ne- and he says, never have to deal with the stigma of her past. And then sure enough, by coincidence, this couple who lives in Haddonfield just so happened to go to town over and adopt this mm-hmm. baby. And he found out about it and was like, oh, my God, okay. but kept it a secret. I, I didn't I didn't think about that, which now it makes sense. But then Loomis's reaction, he his reaction is like he's dumbfounded. No, he didn't know. But then didn't he know that she was in the town the whole time? Why no, is he? The cop, the cop says, I kept all of this out of the report. And Loomis is like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, then that's what he's here for. He's here for his sister. But I thought Loomis came to Haddon, Haddonfield straight from the asylum because he knew that she would be there. Because remember the guy, the the warden goes, where are you going? And he goes, the only place that he's going to be. And he's like, where's that? And it was Haddonfield. It's 100 miles from her. Why would he go to this, that city if he didn't know that Lori would be there? I think he was just going home. He just knew he's going to go home. Yeah. That's all he knows. Oh. He doesn't know why yeah. he's going or where he's going until that's revealed to him of like, oh, he has a sister. And then he's kind of. He doesn't say that he's looking for his his sister. He doesn't mention that on his like investigation. No. Loomis oh. never says that until it's okay. revealed to him. And then he's like, he's like, kind of like, oh, my God, like, I get it. He's oh, thank you. For her now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. now. OK, yeah, that was that was the only loose end that I didn't I didn't understand. But now that makes sense. Yeah, well, if you guys don't have any other points, I think we've pretty much unpacked this. Yeah, I think so. I think? think so, too. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, we can get to kind of the ending here a bit, get to... Uh, I actually did want to go over Rotten Tomatoes scores here at the end because I actually pulled a uh, mm-hmm. negative critic consensus, kind of kind of like what people are thinking, because I think that'll go hand-in-hand mm-hmm. with our reviews. Um, so the actual Rotten Tomatoes scores of this movie, I was super surprised. The, the critic score is 27%. Is very low to me, and then the audience score is fifty nine percent, which I totally can see being a fifty fifty shot in this movie, especially mm-hmm. the you know coming off like the lore and the love of the original. Um, but I did want to pull like a critic, you know, review because twenty seven percent. I'm like that is so low. I can't believe it. That's lower than Halloween four. Yeah. So so I I went I reviewed a lot of the critics. There was like eighty eight of them, and I kind of got the consensus of what people are saying. So this this pretty much sums up what people are mostly saying about it. This is from Jason Zingle. He's from the Bullseye.com, you know, website or whatever you call it. And he, his review says, Rob Zombie's Halloween might have its merits when viewed as a simple horror film, but as a movie based on pre-existing property, it's nothing short of a travesty. So that's just really like we're talking about, like, if you're comparing this fully to the original movie and you yeah. don't like the deviations he's making, you don't like the changes, you don't like the differences then you're not going to like this movie. I mean, we talked about yeah. it's hard not to compare this to the original because it is literally a half a remake. But right. for, the, for the, yeah. the same time, like you have to somewhat, you can critique certain things you like or don't like about changes made, but you cannot hold it accountable to the OG. There's just no way because you're never going to be satisfied. And that's exactly. pretty much the consensus of a lot of the critics that didn't like this movie was they said that. Like, it's it's a, it's good, but it's not the original. Which I'm like, how can you even put that as a review? You're reviewing this movie, not the original. So, you know, that's just something I want to say. What do you guys think about that? Like, as the, as the kind of consensus of critics? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew that going in. That's why I think it took me so long to see this movie. I, I knew that people were like, oh, I don't like Rob Zombie's take. Well, you're comparing the whole thing to the original. 
And I even knew going into it that there was a backstory. And I was like, and even I was like, oh, that's not okay. We're, we're not supposed to relate to him. He's not supposed to have a backstory. So, but, but then to watch it, I was pleasantly surprised. I was into it. Okay. All right. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's get to our ratings here then for this movie. You know, I feel like it's going to be an interesting topic to talk about this. We might be different, uh, different opinions yeah. here. So let's do how many jumbo taco Supremes are you giving this movie? One to five. <laughs> How many, how many <laughs> Jumbo Taco Supremes? What, what do you think? Let's start with, uh, let's start with Laura. Let's start with Laura here. One to five, Laura. What do you think uh, you're rating this movie at? I'm going to do something crazy here. I, I know I had a lot of negatives, but I just really enjoyed this movie. And it's, I'm giving this rating on a feeling alone. I'm not even hmm. going to give it on any merits I've mentioned or negatives. I'm giving it a four wow. because That's... I really enjoyed watching it. Are you outside I, of your mind? And I enjoyed... Jumbo <laughs> and Taco I, Supremes. Yeah. And I enjoyed watching it the second time. I liked it. Wow. I, I still love the original. I still, you know, I love the original more, of course, but to me, like I mentioned earlier in the pod, there is like a handful of movies that are kind of your go-to. You could just keep watching them. And the OG, yeah, I could watch the OG Halloween. I've seen it a million times. I could watch this movie. I could just have it on in the background while I work or fall asleep. I, I liked it. Laura, I totally get that. This is where I have no... Actually, I need to shut the heck up because... I gave Tremors a four, I think, for the same exact reason. Yeah. It's definitely like the your go to. You could you could watch it any day of the week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like All right. It. Wow, there you go. Wow, that's so interesting. Uh what about you, Greg? Uh one to five, how many jumbo taco supremes? I really didn't like the the movie um when I when I first watched it. It was so weird and jarring to me. The it felt like too movies mashed up and even when i tried to blend them in my mind i feel like the second part didn't pay off for the first part which i really liked i liked how unique it was to create this backstory behind michael and get you understanding like this is a reality you know like even healthy adults are heavily impacted by their their childhood and we're all that way until the day you die you're going to be affected by it so looking at the extreme the dark side of it w was very interesting and um i thought he meshed it well with and frankly i feel like th this series probably could have used this type of storyline earlier you know knowing how much i ask what are his motives for doing what he does yeah but um you know that said again i i'm big on like execution i didn't i, I didn't like some of the acting um all said and done they kind of land in the middle so for me i'm gonna say two two tacos plus like some meat and sour cream on the third one so about two and a half <laughs> two and a half you just have like no some, some reason you ordered three taco supremes and you open it and they just didn't give you a shell on the third and you're like what the hell yeah <laughs> i just my, my pet peeve no fiesta salsa yeah. when i specifically requested they, so, gave, they gave yeah. more of your extra taco shell yeah <laughs> yeah she got extra yeah. in her bag wow that's crazy yeah i mean for me like i'm I'm going to be in the middle of you guys, then I'm going to say a three. I, I really like aspects of this movie. Um, you know, kind of going back to what Greg talks about certain things in this movie, comparing it a little bit to the original and the pacing of the original is such like a, its own beast, something I've never seen before. Don't even think it should work, but it does. And I feel like this movie should have taken some parts to take a breath and have those slow moments, especially the last half of this movie. That's just so like, like 
you know, one to 100, like we're going for it. Um, So I yeah. kind of miss that a little bit. I also feel like there's so much killing and blood in this movie and murder and gore that it kind of desensitizes you to a lot of the murders. Like in the in the original yeah. Halloween, the two, you know, the two Lori's friends getting killed. They're so epic because there's not a lot of death in it. So like they're so cool and it's such a good payoff. This one, so many people are dying left and right that none of them really stand out. None of them actually hit on me the way that anyone probably should. That's just really interesting because I feel like we haven't even begun to to review and unpack other slasher movies. And all it is is killings left and right. So I, I, I kind of hope we do more slashers coming up in the future because you guys might be like, what the hell? There's just death left and right. I you're almost feel like you we're can't not properly even... calibrated is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Like I almost feel like you can't even use that as yeah, a, as an yeah. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, I mean, like, so the positives are the positives. It's, it's, I love the yeah. directing. I love Rob Zombie's take. I mean, I love the first half of this movie. It's so smart. I love that he fixes mm-hmm. plot holes. I mean, like I said, the mask thing alone is like a star rating. Like the idea mm-hmm. of like giving a backstory to the mask so is so smart to me. I really, really love that aspect. Um, yeah, but I'm saying I'm right there at like a three. I knew you guys were going to be surprised by it, but I just, I like it. I mean, like I said, I'm definitely watching the second one. So, I mean, it has me intrigued enough to watch it, whether it's worse or not. Laura's kind of giving me eyes right now, but, uh, I just like, don't even, I have no words. So we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk offline (laughs) about it. Okay. All right. I feel like if Danny Trejo survived this one, I would have watched the second (laughs) one, but no, he didn't make it. So I'm out. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's it for, you know, the movie this week here. Let's get to our next week's movie reveal. So Laura, what are we going to be going with next week for our continuation of conjecture ween? Yeah, we still have two weeks left, you guys. Oh, my God. We are going to be watching Halloween, the 2018, the most recent movie in the franchise. Mm. We are jumping to a new timeline again. Wow. We're like, we're like, we're like Doc Brown and and Marty McFly. We're jumping timelines here. I love it. Crazy. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah, so this is the most recent Halloween installment, and we are picking up with Lori. Yay, we get Jamie Lee Curtis back. Mm -hmm. And basically, this movie is 40 years after the attack on Halloween night. So from the original OG in 1978, it is 40 years later. Forget about everything that's happened in between one and this one, and we're just picking off where the first one left off. Okay, yeah, so we're so we're pretty much supposed to watch the original and then we jump into this one. That's kinda how this track works as you call it, right? Yes, exactly. So there's no part two. What? So Halloween <laughs> part two, we're gonna just imagine that that didn't happen. Because I didn't watch that one. Oh yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't need to know that one for this. Uh, perfect okay. for Greg. He doesn't watch it anyway, so Yeah, yeah perfect yeah. for Greg. <laughs> yeah. And and just another side note, uh we've talked about it already, but Rob Zombie did keep going with the sequel. Um he made Halloween two, uh came out in two thousand nine and this was kind of to finish his vision. And as always, we recommend viewing it for yourself. But if you prefer my super speedy recap instead, here it goes. <gasps> A year after escaping death at the hands of Michael Myers, Lori Strode is at her absolute breaking point. Little does she know, Brother Boo Boo is heading back to Haddonfield. Oh, but twist, now he is driven by visions of their dead mother and a white horse. If you want to know why, well, screw you because you never will. As Michael travels to Haddonfield, Lori begins having visions of Michael's past and his killings. To maximize her trauma, Lori makes the very responsible decision to attend a Halloween rave in a barn. 
Michael appears at the party and kills, then goes to the bracket house and fatally wounds our poor Annie. When Lori returns to the house, she finds Annie and has a super sad moment with her. Michael comes after Lori, who manages to just barely escape again. Lori flags down a car, but Michael kills the driver and flips the car over with Lori still inside. Michael then takes the unconscious Lori to an abandoned shed. Ruh row. Lori awakens to her hallucinations with Deborah, seen by both her and Michael, who asks for her to call her mommy. Not creepy at all. The police discover Michael's location and surround the shed. Michael stabs Loomis to death, thank God, and then is shot through the cabin window by Bracket and impaled on a rake. Bye, Mikey. Lori walks over to Michael and takes his knife. The shed door opens and Lori walks out, wearing Michael's mask. You think it's over? Nope. Lori sits in isolation in a psychiatric ward, grinning in a fucking horrifying way as Deborah's ghost approaches with the white horse. The end. All right, we're back. Wow, that was super fast, Laura. That was like as fast as Rob Zombie's cuts in this movie. They're so quick. That was so awesome. You know, I loved it. Um, yeah, so going forward, you know, if anybody wants to email us in any movies we can review, you know, post-October, uh, you can hit us up, conjecturingpod at Gmail or Twitter, Instagram at conjecturingpod. Uh, we just kind of, we slightly talked about, we haven't done a lot of slasher films. So if anybody wants to throw in a slasher film we should review, go and hit us up. I wouldn't mind it. I definitely have never seen any of them. So go there. Um, and, and remember to subscribe, rate, review our podcast on whatever you're listening to it on and check out, uh, the podcast network we're on the slash and cast network at slash and cast.net. Uh, all the other great shows are over there. You can check out also check out the YouTube channel. Same thing slash cast.net. Uh, they have a lot of cool content. I know Laura's been watching a ton of them and reviewing them. And, um, yeah, so Greg has his mustache back on, which is cool. Um, <laughs> what? When did that happen? <laughs> Greg has, I saw, I saw Danny Trejo Danny, again and they just energized yeah, Greg, me. Greg, Greg, Greg Trejo's back. Oh, I fell, I fell <laughs> off now. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I was left. I was left with just this little one. Yeah, you don't, know, you don't, yeah, don't, don't put that in the middle, Greg. Don't put that in the middle. No, 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 no. Oh, sorry, Greg. Sorry. No, no, no. no. Yeah, yeah. So uh, on that note, this has been the conjecturing. I've been Rob and Laura and Greg. Yeah. Until next time. Remember, horror subjective. So conjecture your way. See ya. Bye. See you next week, guys. I failed you. It's my last day. I'm retiring. Bye-bye.